only 2% of people are producing content on LinkedIn week in, week out. And if you're, if you're doing that, you're already in that kind of top 2% and you're going to get your name out there. So I think it, it really is ignore when you're that little voice in your head is saying like, oh, you know, people already know this or that sounds a bit stupid uh, or like, is the grammar just perfect? Like just get stuff out there. All right, guys, welcome back to the Back Self Show. This week, we on our founder series, we have Will Biddingsley, who is the co-founder and chief commercial officer, CCO of AppTap. But I'll let him introduce himself. So, Will, look, tell me about yourself. Uh, first time we've met, tell me where you're from and what you do. Mm, where I'm from. Uh, it's a bit of a roundabout story. Uh, I actually grew up in Aberdeen, up in Scotland, moved to the States, uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, when I was 12 went to high school out there and then decided to come back to London for university at Imperial College. Um, and that's where I met my, my two co-founders, Nadal and Issa. Um, yeah, and I guess to go into a little bit of our background there, we, I mean, the three of us, we met playing football. Uh, we hit it off, kind of started to ideate, ideate around what are the big problems the world's facing at the moment. Um, and then we were all individually dealing with our own things around just like money management, bill management, that sort of thing. And um, have a big focus on kind of helping, trying to help people improve their carbon footprint. So open banking came about. Um, we were graduating. We saw this opportunity uh, to try and link people's spending to their carbon footprint, uh, which there are some great companies out there doing it now, uh, like, like Kogo's, a couple of startups like Tread. Um, but at the time, the data just wasn't there for us to really get into it. So we evolved that into more of what we are today of uh, kind of the bill management experience from end to end. That's understanding the user, getting deals in front of them at the right time uh, based on kind of their user profile and then helping people actually take control. Interesting. I like that. So that we, we have like, we have a... We have quite a big cohort of your listeners that are all in the MBA space and they're all like you know, just graduating from uni or whatever. So you and your mates, how does that conversation start where you're like, you're playing football, awful sport, by the way. I can't believe you're not a rugby boy. We should have cut this off straight away. Um, and um, what did you, what did you, uh, like, how does that conversation start where you're a bit like, look guys, I want to go and, you know, do this. And also, by the way, whose idea was it? Like, who was the guy who came up with the idea? <laughs> uh, contentious one, that one. Um well, let's fight it out now. They're not here. So if you want to take credit, that's fine. So it's all my idea. No, <laughs> um, it really started at, like, frankly, I was a bit shit at university. Um, I studied biology, really wasn't for me. My brother's a doctor and my dad's an um, entomologist. So going like well down the track of biological sciences. But I actually tagged a year on in the Imperial Business School to do a year in management. And that's allowed, or that allowed me to kind of open up some doors both uh in terms of like career perspective uh, but as well as you know kind of my own mindset um so nadal the other co-founder did a master's in theoretical physics he'd finished a year before Issa and i did um and so he'd kind of gotten involved in the likes of like founders of the future and a couple of entrepreneurial um groups i suppose around london that's how we found out about open banking uh and essentially his student visa was running out and kind of came to me as we were going through this kind of ideation process came to me one night um over a lot of beers 
in my living room and just said, we need to write a business plan. We have to pitch it to Imperial. Um, and we've done some like customer interview stuff. We've done some, I actually still have the notebook of just like pages and pages of like, you know, what are the big problems the world's facing? Things like heart disease or, uh, you know, we fell on bill management somehow. Um, yeah, and that kind of, I guess that night was when we really started to hone what the first proposition would be. And that was kind of Nadal and I going back and forth, one of us, um, <laughs> frankly, one of us playing FIFA while the other one typed and then rotating for probably 12 hours straight overnight. Um, and actually have just hired one of my flatmates for, from that night. So um, he's been a great addition to the team as well. So it was a group effort. Oh, no, I like that a lot. I, look, um, look I, I founded my business with, um, with, with my best mate. We've got, uh, we had someone on the show recently, uh, Eric Festival, they're two besties. And a lot of people say, like, you shouldn't start a company with your friends. And I say to those people, fuck you, just got to have better friends. Um, so so with this, this, I love this. So you, what's interesting, I think, about your story and, is that you, you kind of decided you wanted to be an entrepreneur before you saw the problem in the world you wanted to solve, right? So you were like, were you part, because obviously um, Nadal was part of these, I guess like these incubators, university incubators and so forth, where the people were teaching people about startups and so forth. Were you going through the same process? Um, kind of by proxy, really. I was still finishing my degree, um, but it was very timely. You know, I was writing business plans for university projects and, you know, we need to at least lay a kind of framework out to essentially pitch to Imperial to get him a, a graduate entre entrepreneur's visa. Um, yeah, and so it was, uh, I think when I speak to my parents about it, my dad's always like, we always knew you'd be kind of more entrepreneurial. And I think that is essentially, we had no idea what the hell you were gonna do. <laughs> um, and I'm right there with it. And I didn't like authority. Yeah, and uh, well, it's it's that, and just like even today, I'm like, oh, I could go and do this, I could go and do that, I could go and do the other thing, um, and those are things like I've got still a big interest in like the biotech space, but also like the green space, and um, my dad works in in the malaria field, and so like that's been kind of ingrained in me. Uh, so there's all these different things, and then there's fintech, of course, which is huge, and uh, you know everything is fintech. So I'm, I'm, st I still feel like almost this kid who's like, what am I going to do when I grow up? Uh, and I don't, you know, I quite like that. I don't think it'll ever stop. So it's just about execution on, on what you're focused on at the time. Um, with, you know, I, I kind of hate the, I hate the phrase, but building up your own personal brand as you go and trying to, uh, at least carve out your own, your own niche. And I think, you know, before we, before we started this chatting, um it's just about how can i pay it forward be as transparent as possible help out some some other early stage founders because i learn just as much from them as they will from me or you know when i'm a couple heads a couple steps ahead in the journey i've always found that that's those are the best people to bounce off of and having access to those incubators as you mentioned getting into the imperial enterprise lab just allowed us to bounce things off of people it essentially don't so we don't make the same mistakes and I think that's what helped me at least frame initially where I was coming from and, and what I wanted to do. And I know that, uh, you know, the, the tech side wasn't for me. It's going to be more about the, the people side, so to speak. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, chief commercial officer, 
just the title, but it does mean that I get to have lots of meetings and, and go and meet people and, and get in um, get in front of people that I would never have dreamed of five, ten years ago if you told me like you're gonna be sitting down with, you know, an exec from TSB Bank, right, who just signed a deal with. So it's um yeah, it's a bit mind boggling actually when you look back at it. Yeah, it's the amazing thing about being um <clears throat> you know, about being a founder, like you instantly get exec access, right? You so you obviously you become an exec, so you get the, your your level. So let's talk about two things there a little bit that I'm quite interested in. So one you talk about per building personal brand. Okay. Like practically how do you do that and what does that mean? So if you're a first time founder and like you've been in the game what now? Two, three years? Yeah. So yeah, yeah just over three years now. So I think it's just consistency really um and just putting yourself out there i think those are the two the two things um i've definitely felt myself over the last few months like really neck deep in in getting this this bank deal across the line like product revamped growing the team that sort of thing and um yeah springtime i feel like i'm kind of coming out of it and, and getting back into that but it is really i, I think it's gary said something along the lines of like only two percent of people are producing content on linkedin week in week out and if you're if you're doing that you're already in that kind of top two percent and you're going to get your name out there so i think it, it really is ignore when you're that little voice in your head is saying like oh you know people already know this or that sounds a bit stupid uh or like is the grammar just perfect like just get stuff out there and if people like it, they'll resonate with it. Double down on things people like. It's the same when it's, uh, you know, if you're doing product market fit and, and trying to, you know, if you're tweaking buttons and things like just whatever resonates with people. And I think um, at that point, then it's just like stay true to your core values or your voice, uh, what you want to get across. But um, at the end of the day, just have some fun with it, be consistent and, and just get out there. Like, the, the number of times we've like tried to sneak backstage at events and things to meet the speakers. I mean, it's, you're in a room with a thousand people and you know, you've got a, um, like Megan Kaywood from Barclays, for example, she's ex Starling would never have met her if we didn't just sneak around the back of the stage. Um, and she's same with, uh, there's, there's so many people like that that we've done that with and we're the only ones. And it's like myself, Nadal or Issa, our CTO, another co-founder um you know just put yourself in front of these people what's the worst that can happen i think that's the yeah it's exactly that like what's the worst that can happen you lose an opportunity but you never had it in the first place so yeah absolutely so you're a sales guy i'm a sales guy i look we um i i'm always fascinated here about how small companies sell to big companies because that's because you're selling to tsp is a bit of a dream right you know it's uh you know i mean yeah, for the for the yeah the arrogant fuckers like me who've been selling to banks their whole career, I'm like yeah that's like tier two, but like it's but it's actually I'm joking. It's an amazing achievement. It's fact it's absolutely fucking incredible. So look, um, let's start by let's start with the whole story. First of all, tell me that that micro pitch. What does AppTap do? What do they? How do they deliver? Yeah, so I mean we are we are packaging up this bill management experience from end to end. And that what does that mean what does bill management mean it's yeah. it's yeah exactly it sounds incredibly boring people are like oh i don't want to manage my bills Shit. um and so that's kind of what we're trying to take away um is this friction and, and add in some positive touch points that people can just get this like get your head wrapped around what you're spending on a recurring basis be it monthly annually every six months whatever it is 
Um, and so what we do is use open banking for your transactions. We understand what bills and subscriptions you're paying, how that kind of profile, so to speak, has changed over time. Uh, and then we supplement that with usage information. So how many kilowatt hours of energy have you used uh, this month? What kind of um, have you gone over your gigabyte allowance on, on your phone plan, that sort of thing, what broadband speeds are you getting kind of aggregate all of this and the user feedback we got early days was very much, okay, cool. But now what, what can I do with that? And so for us, it's okay. Let's start to peel away at these layers and actually give people not only those, those insights, like here's how your usage compares to, you know, the general population of the UK or, uh, your spending profile, whatever it is, but then here are the top deals for you on the market and allow people to cancel the switch to sign up for services, which does sound um, kind of like this glorified comparison site initially. But when we can build that into your existing financial institution, your banking app, it's, you know, we're, we're kind of eating our way up, up the funnel, so to speak. And instead of a customer opening their app thinking, holy shit, I'm paying how much for my, you know, British gas, for example, going out, going through comparison sites, going through all these deals, filling in the same information over and over. It's just redundant. Why can't we just say, I'm paying shit, I'm paying how much for my British gas? Boom, switch. Um, and then it's about some business model innovation on the other side of that. So traditionally, these suppliers really don't like being on board these price comparison websites because it is, uh, you know, it's a race to the bottom on those sites. So how do we make that more worthwhile for suppliers? How do we give them Kind of sustainable revenue, predictable revenue, um, and and start to connect the dots, right? Users and banks have this relationship, it's pretty clear and obvious. Users and suppliers have this relationship, same thing, but banks and suppliers, there's, you know, we've got payment rails and that's about it. There's no real communication going on. Maybe some have, you know, deals, exclusive deals with one another, but why can't we open that up to the financial institution so that they can communicate directly with the suppliers. Suppliers can communicate with their users, you know, straight from the source. And that's what we're trying to do is really clarity and control. So we call ourselves this kind of subscription control center. Um, but the evolution of that is this almost app store for services. Amazing. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? making sure you never miss an episode of your favorite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. So if you go, so let's talk about TSB. Yeah. So, yeah, I imagine I'm a, I'm, yeah, I'm an early stage company and I want to go and sell to a bank, right? Like, how does that process start? What do you do first? How do you... Don't. What? Just don't do just it. Don't. Just, it takes a fucking long time, mate. I'd say an infosec is a killer. It's horrible. Yeah. Don't... Just generally, anyone listening, don't sell to banks. Yeah. It's, it takes fucking ages. Don't sell to banks or government. Sell to someone else. Yeah. Okay. If you listen to this, just sack it off. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's about distribution, right? And financial institutions, TSB, know that. Um, for us, it's this, could we go and get 5 million customers in the year it took us to sell to them? God, no, like, there's no way we could have afforded yeah. the marketing, let alone gotten ourselves out there that much. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, there's pros and cons, of course, but, of course. uh, the big one, big con being kind of like cash flow, right? Like, there's no cash coming in for as long as you're in that sales cycle, especially for the first one. 
Also, and when you and when you and when you sell it, that doesn't mean the money's coming in straight away either. It's not like they pay on receipt at a bank. Yeah, they're the worst. So, look, so what's your what's your like? Who did you go after? Like, what's the, tell me that process? Like, did you did you get an intro to a bank or to someone where you go through innovation? Like, who did? Because obviously, it starts with finding a person to sell to. So, who was the person who owned the problem you were going after? Yeah. So we. Um... We were actually part of the London and Partners Business Growth Program uh, okay. one in the summer of 2019. Uh, essentially, it's the mayor of London's office. They've got two programs, BGP being the kind of earlier stage one. Um, and we were kind of working, in, you know, there are a number of financial institutions who come in and, and speak to founders like ourselves. And um, it was Jason Wilkinson Brown who actually gave a basically a breakdown of like here's how banks will onboard partners so he's the head of partnerships and open banking at tsb um and you know he's ex-starling he'd moved to tsb with a view to kind of energize a little bit and digitize um and so he really championed and i think that's that is the crucial point right i was actually having this discussion last night um with a couple of friends of mine from crowdcube and they it's very cliche around like, oh, find your champion because they can help you navigate the business, but it is just so true. Um, and so it's not always the innovation person. It's not always the partnership person. I think we're, you know, lucky to be working with TSB in, in, uh, in this time specifically, because that's what they are trying to do. They're trying to push partnerships and innovation, digitization. Um, but for you know other financial institutions, it's not necessarily the case. And then it's about how do you take this kind of scattershot approach, same with fundraising at the earliest stages, bombard, right? Get its, its volume. Um, and so if I've had a discussion with head of partnerships and then go and have a discussion with you know, someone from risk or, or legal, um, someone in the digital team, someone in the consumer or retail teams and get them to come together internally somehow just name drop things right and um I, I i find that's worked probably best for us but i mean it's a real it's a pain right it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of chasing it's uncomfortable sometimes um you know do you make that cold call two days after you emailed them or do you not do you wait a week when do you time yeah. these things is it tuesday morning is it Thursday afternoon, like you just got to A/B test these things, right? Again, it goes back to kind of reflecting how you build a product out. Um, and at the end of the day, thing goes for fundraising. I think thing goes for almost anything. If you want to get people to do things, make it as easy as possible for them to take the action, right? And that's kind of the ethos of our product, anyway. Yeah, well, look, I mean, congrats, by the way. I mean, what, yeah, you absolutely smashed it. So that's uh, really, <laughs> really commendable. Um, so if you're, so what, so you, you've sold to this, to, to, to the ATSB and you use that formula. What are like the three key lessons that you learned from that sales process? It, goes, it actually goes back to what I was saying about kind of the personal brand, right? It's consistency, constantly being there um, in the back of mind, right? The only reason... Well, the early early stages of our kind of pilot discussions with TSB, we'd actually kind of, uh, we'd met them August time of 2019 and the conversations kind of dropped off. And we'd actually fundraised off the back of those early conversations. So um, that was a, a risky ploy uh, and our investors, you know, breathing down our necks at that point saying, you know, what's going on with this bank deal? 
Um, and it, all it was was a was a message or phone call to um, actually Jignos, a manager at TSB uh, who works for this Jason guy, um, which was, hey guys, just wanted to check in before Christmas, what's going on? Uh, to which they responded, why don't we meet up for some drinks and just catch up pre pre Christmas? Um, so that's that's kind of step one, uh, and that night actually we agreed our our pilot with them. So it's uh, maybe step two is lubricate, but no, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's fair, yeah. No, but it but it is then uh, so it's consistency. It's then relationship building. Build build genuine relationships with people. It's not all about your business at the end of the day. Um, you know, Amtap could fail tomorrow and life would go on, um, but I still have you know great relationship with with Jigna and Jason and TSB and the rest of their team. Um, and and then I think it's just about being a little bit cheeky as well. Um, ask the question that you're kind of nervous to ask. And if it's especially in sales, right, we're talking about um, there's a great mentor of ours from the Accenture FinTech Innovation Lab, Andy Honus, talks about solution alignment and it's you know, here are the top line goals of this corporate, regardless of whether they're a financial institution or not. Um, whoever I'm trying to sell to, what is their, you know, trying to increase revenue 10%. Can we come in and say, well, look, it's going to cost you this much to use AppTap to onboard us, whatever it is, but we're going to eat 5% out of your 10% goal at the end of the day. And just having that, getting into what that financial figure actually looks like, I think is... Um, one very hard to do and two you have to be a little bit cheeky so yeah i think it's persistency build real relationships and and just be a little bit a little bit fun with it no i love that i think it's really good advice i think it really is okay so you you've got this big customer you've got this marketing customer like what's next for you guys what's the next one isn't it <laughs> uh yeah um We've got loads of stuff we want to do. We want to um, get across these verticals. We've, we've started in the kind of energy and broadband space. We'd like to get into the mobile and, and potentially some financial products as well across insurance. Um, but there's a long way to go for there. So kind of looking at some FCA licenses, that sort of thing. Um, but big on kind of how we can work quite closely with um with partners really to, to enhance our proposition. I think we're, we're quite aware of like, we we're focusing on what is actually quite a large um, build here. I mean, we're talking about verticals, energy, phone, broadband and so on, but those go deeper in terms of then how many services per vertical we're looking at, how many suppliers there are, how many deals each supplier has, as well as then, you know, commission rates and onboarding journeys. So we're, we're building all of these things out um yeah so that i mean product wise that's that's kind of next big step refining our own front end for the sake of a better user journey anyway and using that and our you know and our work with tsb to go to uh to other clients right and 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 see see what we can do and i think for me this year is all about our distribution channels so um there's a lot of chat on on kind of like the founder and vc twitter space um it's product versus distribution uh and i think now we have this really really solid foundation on, on from a product perspective uh, and it's just what 
what distribution channels are going to work best for us can we do some work um outside of financial institutions and it's really who owns a customer experience where bill management makes sense doesn't necessarily have to be your banking app um and so that's that's kind of what i'm playing with uh partnerships and, and kind of distribution over the course of this year fantastic okay right i've got three um final questions for you um so that we keep this tight do it i like these okay all right these are good ones okay right so first one what advice would you give to other people who are founding companies with their buddies it's really hard um love my co-founders i also hate my co-founders there's this like pull and push of is it a professional thing is it a personal thing uh and i think that would i'm gonna take back that i hate my co-founders that was a bit mean no don't 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 it's fair it shows you love them right <laughs> yeah exactly and i think um yeah it's it's about just being very very clear about where you draw the boundary and you if you have to you sit down you have an uncomfortable conversation you say this is a business conversation not about who you are as a person and sometimes that leaks into it right and you just have to be really aware yeah nice okay that's really good Okay, secondly, you are, you've mentioned a few accelerator programs you guys have been on, right? So what's your advice about, A, first of all, do you think that they are a good use of, of your time? Um, I've done a few and I can say that some are not, uh, some really are. But um, secondly, what's your advice for getting the most out of those? Um, yeah, so obviously it depends on the accelerator, as you said. I think for us, we were quite, um, been quite picky about which ones we want to be in uh, and persistent about getting into them. We've been rejected from Techstars probably like five times, YC, et cetera. And, um, but then in the FinTech Innovation Lab, they rejected us the first time as well. And then, you know, we've come back and proved kind of everything across the business and managed to get into it. And at that point, once you're in, right, it is about making the most of it. And that is, you know, FinTech Innovation Lab, the Accenture program, we've got access to 50 financial institutions and these mentors who have been there and done that. Um, and it was just, like I said before, ask the question, get cheeky, get in front of people. Uh, if there's a mentor that, um, you know, there are a couple of mentors in there that just blew, blew my mind in terms of what they've done over the course of their career. Uh, and again, looking back five, 10 years, I would never have thought that I'd be in front of these people. So it was, you know, they'd finished their presentation. Uh, everyone's kind of milling around, just get in there, ask the questions you want to ask, build that relationship um, and be cheeky at my three points. Um, yeah. So, and then in terms of like, is it worth it? I think the ones we have been for the most part have been worth it. Um, but it is just about, is the work, the accelerator, wants you to do does that align with what you're doing as a business anyway and for the ones we've been a part of that was very much yes if it's not then prioritize what you need to work on what you need to get you know revenue running or customers through the door or a funding round done whatever it is and the business comes first all right okay um sub question to that so we'll call this uh, question two subsection b um what are your what's your tip for getting accepted onto accelerators having been rejected and been accepted you've probably got a few learnings there yeah um i think the big one we took away is just the um it's not an easy one but like show that you're willing to learn um and that's what accelerators are there for right you you're not there to come in and be this big dog 
um, who knows it all because that's then you'd be out in the big bad world doing the thing um, versus the kind of I think the initial application to the, the Accenture lab we, we we went in with like we've spoken to customers this is exactly what you want it's going to be great for you financial institutions you should take us in versus the second one was very much like you gave us a, a lot of feedback in the first application we've been through other accelerators whatever uh, we've learned a lot of the course of the year um and we're here to implement those learnings and continue to learn and that kind of mindset shift um yeah probably just because we're a little bit less naive than we were in in, in the kind of first round um yeah i think really you saw the lights kind of turn on with some people in the room when we when we talked to that uh and frankly the business was more structured we were a little bit more humble, I think, and uh, we looked more professional. I wore a suit for that bitch instead of a. I love that. I love that. I think Issa Dude. wore a, ca a camo shirt to the first one, which didn't <laughs> go down too well. Well, it's difficult because you, that means you wouldn't have been able to see him. So uh, that's yeah, the exactly. Issue. Yeah, they hadn't thought about. So that. they, we said three co-founders and only two. <laughs> Such a shit joke, but I'll take it. I've done that. All right. Um, so um, third and final question. So. Being a founder is hard. It's one of the hardest things people ever do. Also, yeah, it's rewarding. But our founders are always some of the most productive people. And obviously being a CCO, um, I'm biased. I think it is the, the hardest gig within a company because you have to, you, there's no end game. You know, you're constantly selling all the fucking time. You're right? you know what I mean? It's constantly doing rejection. Um, what, what do you do to be productive? What is your tip for productivity? Um... That's an interesting one, actually, because I've, I've had this conversation. Uh, I, I mentioned to you before this call, I spent the last kind of six months uh, back in the States with my girlfriend. So we get out on, on kind of lunchtime walks and things with the dog and kind of constantly be telling her, like, I know I'm getting work done, but I feel like there's more. And I think it's just efficiency. And it's when you look at like the Elon Musk of the world, obviously is an extreme example, but they know what they're doing at each point in the day. Um, and for me, as I've gotten better in general uh, at what I do and in terms of my time management, um, I think it has just been about, I block off time for myself and I block time for work and I know what's coming throughout the week. Uh, it's helped to um, kind of hire some people who have taken some workload off, right? But um, now learning, trying trying to learn how to delegate and manage people. Um, so the journey doesn't get any easier. Uh, but in terms of productivity, it's then I know at like nine o'clock at night, it's me time and I'm going to go read my book or, or play some video games or whatever it is. And it is just try as much as possible to switch off when you've allotted time to switch off. Um, you know, my flatmate is a, a trader at Barclays. And so he's, you know, he's leaving the house at 6.30, getting back at 6.30. It's a stressful job, but he hangs out on the weekends and I just can't um, sometimes. And for him, it's very much like, look, I know I have a stressful job, but that I would never want to do what you do, <laughs> uh, or at least now. So yeah, I think just knowing when things are happening gives you at least the inclination that you're in control and being productive. Oh, that's really good advice. Look, Will, this has been great. I think what you're doing is awesome. I think, you know, congrats on the success and um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, for the sake of a plug, 
Um, we're at tap.co.uk if you want to check us out. There is a, I've put together a little like starter pack for founders that's on my LinkedIn as well for early stage founders to hopefully not make the same mistakes I did. I love that. I love it. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much.